Welcome to Prioritizing Yourself, the podcast. I'm Jen Parker. I'm an empowerment and mindset life coach, NLP practitioner, and qualified social worker. This podcast is to educate, inspire big-hearted women about the importance of prioritizing your self-care to improve your body, mind, and soul. Each week, we will talk all things that affect and influence big-hearted women. This podcast is proudly sponsored by my Action Takers membership, from taking you from feeling overwhelmed and giving away your power to learning all the tools to feel more in control and more inspired. Have a beautiful day. Welcome to another episode of Prioritizing Yourself. I'm so excited to have today's guest. We've got all the way from the US, we've got Alana Sharps, who is the author of Was It My Fault? Alana is a high conflict divorce and child custody consultant and the CEO of Sir Thrive Tribe. Welcome, Alana. Thank you. Happy to be here. (laughs) So before we hear a little bit more about your book and your business and how you are of service to women. How did you prioritize yourself this morning or today? This morning I woke up and the first thing I do every morning is I drink a full glass of water because I've always read that that's, you should put water in your system before anything else to stop the fasting. I did my exercise. I did a little bit of meditation And then I took my son to school. I had to drive him to school today. This is my custodial parenting week. Lovely, lovely. And it's so important to start the day with those morning rituals to help, you know, that foundation of making yourself feel good. And rather than the day sort of taking control of you, you're able to take control. So, yes. So thank you so much. And I'm interested to know more about your book because I think a lot of women are in situations and in relationships of being in coercive control or being with a person who is quite narcissistic. So I'd like to um, hear more about, you know, why you actually wrote this book. The book actually started out as therapeutic journals. Therapeutic journaling was one of the ways that I took two to heal from what I had been through. I had so much in my head that I just needed to get out. I just started writing and I started writing my story from the first day I met my ex-husband to the day that I left. And he actually added additional material because I went into post-separation abuse after I left. So my book actually goes all the way up to 2020 of last year. Mm. And when I started sharing my story, people started asking me, how did you get out? What steps did you take to get out? Because they were in similar relationships and they felt stuck. So as I got asked that more and more, I said, oh, you know what? I should turn this, these therapeutic journals into an actual book and then also make it a help guide so that people can read the steps to take and what to do post-separation. Mm. So that's how the book came about. Yeah, and journaling is such a cathartic way of often it starts with actually doing it for yourself I think it's actually really good that you started writing just for you yes it was a way of therapy of dealing with a really traumatic situation and it helped you so how did how did it actually help you 
by writing down your story? It helped me to release all of the years of sadness, frustration, guilt, and anger, because I went through all of those emotions while I was journaling. And once I started going into the book writing process and I had to reread those experiences over and over, I actually cried because every time I read an incident, it put me right back into that situation Mm. and the tears would just start flowing. Mm. And sometimes we need that permission to actually release because we've been really conditioned, especially as women and, and as men that, you know, don't, you know, be brave, be strong and not to feel those emotions. So that's right. It's really important that you actually allowed yourself, even though it was, I can't imagine how difficult that would have been revisiting that and, you know, going through that, but it's obviously given you closure and now you're supporting other women as well. That's right. Other women that have very similar stories and in a lot of instances, worse stories than mine. Mm. So this is something that's very common all over the world. That's why I want to create awareness so that more people are aware, more people can be supportive of others in these relationships or just getting out of these relationships. Yes. And for those who don't really understand what is narcissistic abuse, could you just tell the, um, the listeners what it is in your sort of interpretation? Yes. Narcissistic abuse revolves around emotional and verbal abuse. It can escalate to physical abuse depending on who your narcissist is. In my case, it escalated into physical abuse against my son. And that was actually the tipping point for me to get out of my marriage was I witnessed that. Mm. You go through a narcissistic abuse cycle in a relationship You go through idealization, which I also call love bombing. That's when the narcissist gives you excessive attention, gifts, a lot of um, calls and texts. They want to be with you 24 seven, just all of this attention, love bombing. And you feel like you're like the most special person in the world, right? Because who doesn't want to feel special? After that phase, once they get you hooked in, you go into the devalue stage. And that's when they start to degrade you, demean, call you names, make you feel less than. And after devalue, you go into discard. So they've either found someone new and they're trying to get rid of you, or they're just trying to push you out of the relationship. But oh, wait, they need you to feel good about themselves. So they hoover you back in, which is the last phase of the cycle, like Mm -hmm. a hoover vacuum. They start to love bomb you again and bring you back in the relationship when you've had enough and you're trying to get out. Mm -hmm. So for me, I attempted to leave six times, but got hoovered back in every time until I finally left on the seventh time. Mm -hmm. And it does take women who are in this cycle of abuse, you know, it can take six or seven times and it's nothing to do with not wanting to leave. It's to do with it's, it's a cycle of psychological abuse. That's right. And it's, it, it, you know, little by little, you start questioning yourself. So I'd like to hear more about the psychological um, aspects that, you know, people who may be in this type of relationship that they Mm. may, what sort of things they may be noticing and they might be like, oh, this is happening to me, you know, 
Um, I'm, I'm not, you know, maybe that maybe it's nothing it's to do with them because sometimes we think, um, you know, a lot of the, you know, from my previous um, occupation as a social worker and speaking to many women, they, they questioned themselves and their sanity. So that's correct. You know, I'd love to know. So the listeners can really have a better understanding about um, what this actually looks like and, you know, giving some maybe some more specific um, examples. And I know everyone's examples are very different, but just from the sort of the, maybe from your personal experience, but also yes. maybe the women you've um, uh, provided support to as well. So it's interesting, women that have been through this and men as well, we all have similar stories. If you're dealing with someone that has true narcissistic personality disorder, they all work from the same playbook. So it starts out very subtle. You don't even realize that you are in the early stages of abuse when it starts to occur. So for me, it started out with my ex telling me he didn't want me to spend very much time with my friends. If someone asked me to lunch, he had a problem with it. If I left for two hours, he would guilt me once I got home and tell me I was a bad mother. And being a mother was very important to me. That was something I shared with him while we were dating. And so he took that information and he used it against me to manipulate me into not seeing my friends. So what ended up happening is I just stopped socializing. And I just stayed in the home because he made it so difficult for me if I went out with friends. He would keep me up till three, four o'clock in the morning in what are called these circular conversations. And he would just ask me over and over, I don't understand, why did you go? Why did you go to lunch? And no matter what I said as a reason, he still didn't understand. Until I got to the point that I was just sleep deprived and just giving in to whatever he asked or whatever he wanted. So it starts out very slow like that. And then they'll start to say things like, I didn't say that. When you clearly know they said a specific thing or a specific phrase, they say, I didn't say that. And they're so adamant that they didn't say it. That's when you start to question your memory, your thoughts, your own sanity after going through that so many times over and over again. That's what's called gaslighting. He would tell me that he saw me out somewhere and I was talking to a guy. And so I'm thinking in my head, every place I went while I was out that day and trying to think of, did I actually talk to a guy or did a guy try to talk to me? Crazy making. That's another sign. Mm. They will typically monitor your text messages, monitor your phone calls. They'll listen in on your phone calls and then argue about what you talked about. They'll completely flip around what your conversation was about and make it about them or make it about something negative just so they can argue with you about it. Mm. And then it usually progresses into calling you names. So over time, he started to call me bitch, asshole, things like that. So that's when you're getting into the devalue and the degrading phase of the relationship. Why do you stay in it? You think it's your fault because they tell you, I am treating you this way because you're either not doing this, you're not doing that, or I want you to be a certain way. They want you to fit into this mold that doesn't exist. And no matter how much you change yourself to fit into that mold, they are never satisfied. They keep asking for more and more and more. And you will drive yourself insane trying to be that person that they claim they want you to be. Mm. 
And it sounds just from you saying all of that, it sounds so exhausting trying to keep this facade and this mask of trying to be something for someone who keeps changing the the measurements and keeps changing the story so you have no idea each day what it's going to be you feel like you're you know it sounds like you're going to be you're you're walking constantly on eggshells which would have huge effects upon your psychological and mental health I can imagine that's exactly right yes it did on mine as well as my children Mm. we all lived through it We didn't know who we were going to deal with from day to day. Was he going to be in a good mood today or was he going to be in an argumentative mood? I mean, he would find the smallest thing to argue about and they're not just quick arguments. Like these are arguments that go on for hours, exhausting you. They like to get you to the point of exhaustion to the point where you just give in and say, you know what? You're right. You do anything. It's sort of like someone's when you haven't slept (laughs) <laughs> yes. you know, which you're so tired you're so tired yes. you'll do anything because you just want it to end so end. even if yes. it's not true it sounds like yes. you do anything just to stop this absolute horrendous um, insidious behavior just stopping but does it stop when you agree to whatever they're saying sometimes it would stop Sometimes it would continue on because I actually did an experiment to see, you know, if I agree to everything he says, will he stop? He still went on for another two hours, Mm. just nonstop. And it's just, yeah, I mean, I was disheveled because I was exhausted all the time you know, lack of sleep. I, I looked dead to myself when I actually stopped and looked at myself in the mirror one day. This was close to when I was leaving the marriage. And I just, I couldn't believe the person that I had become and what I looked like. Mm. That's very common of a lot of women as well. They'll show pictures of what they look like when they were in their narcissistic relationship and what they look like after they left. And they look like two different people. Mm. Yes. And also, it's, I think um, the listeners um, n- need to understand this is coercive control, which is yes. a sign of abuse. And I think especially a lot of people just think that abuse only comes in the physical. So if someone is being abusive, they're only physically hitting. And often, you know, you see this um, from the accounts that I've um, spoken to many women that they will say, well, I don't hit, I don't hit them. And, you know, in a hospital, you know, when um, someone is almost overtly over the top, they won't leave mm-hmm. their side. You, you think mm, something doesn't feel right. You know, right. you could sort of see it um, in terms of their behaviours. You could see that they're not leaving that person. Why are they not leaving right. that person? They're not you know, they're not letting anyone else see that person. Why is that? You know, they're, they're very protective of that person. Yes. You know, what, what, what else is going on? And it, you know, and often people hadn't been trained in coercive control or abuse mm-hmm. and they'd be like, oh, that person's very attentive. And I said, you know, just watch how they're interacting with that person. Yes. You know, something doesn't, something doesn't feel right. Can you not sort of just see you know, if they're not leaving that person and they're not letting them um, voice their opinions or voice what they want, 
you know, what else is happening? Not always, but, you know, I, I saw sort of those patterns definitely yes. within a hospital setting. Um, but what what was the sort of, what were the things that made you go, you know, the shift that you started making in your mindset to start going, you know what, I've got to start claiming back myself. How, what, how, what, how did you do that? It took a lot of work. Um, I actually had to make the decision in my own mind that I was going to stop letting him get to me mentally. And so I put a wall up and every time he verbally attacked me or he tried to do the coercive control, I would, it would go in one ear and out the other. Now, because I had experienced the verbal and the emotional abuse for so long, that was only temporary for me he still wore me down over time and he still got to me. So it actually became worse because I was experiencing PTSD and I didn't even realize it. Mm -hmm. So victims in these relationships, you live in fear, even though you may not be physically hit, you always live in fear of when is the day he's going to hit me because he's so frustrated with me not doing something that he said or something that he feels he is entitled to. And you're right, there's all types of abuse. It's not just physical, there's digital abuse, there's emotional abuse, verbal abuse, sexual abuse, mm -hmm. sexual coercion. Mm -hmm. I went through all of them, you know? So we need to be educated on the different types of abuse so that we can recognize it within ourselves and within others. Like you said, you would see these women in the hospital. If you just look at their body language, you can tell someone that's in an abusive relationship from the way that they behave toward their partner. Yeah. So if you could, you know, who was, who were the people in your support network to provide the support to help you actually leave from a legal point of view? Because you've got children and, yes. you know, a lot of the time it could be quite like you're now um, providing um, you, you know, high conflict divorce and child custody consultant. So how do you provide that support to women and their children now? Well, typically women are going through what is called post-separation abuse. And that's when they come to me, they're either going through financial abuse, legal abuse, um, domestic violence by proxy, which means that the narcissist has now gone after your children to control them and use them as pawns against you. They're going through smear campaigns and they're going through um, harassment and it's all being done through the legal system. So for instance, in my case, my ex was, he, my, he accused me of parental alienation because my teenage daughter refused to do visitation with him. She just decided she was done and she did not want to see dad anymore. I had nothing to do with it, but because he felt slighted he filed for child custody, citing parental alienation. So to build his case, he filed a number of motions against me and he asked people to write affidavits for him against me. Okay. Mm -hmm. So legal abuse. I help my clients in situations like that. I tell them how to safeguard themselves from parental alienation claims, how to document all instances of abuse from the time they were with their ex all the way up until today. I tell them to go back and forest their memory books as they can, because they will remember things that they thought they didn't remember. And so I try to trigger memories for them. I'll say, you know, like 
think of a time when you had to take your child to a birthday party. How did he react? Because a lot of times when you're going to something that doesn't involve the narcissist or revolve around them, they make it chaotic and they make an argument ensue because the attention is not on them. So things like that will trigger their memories and we start to document. And then I also help them build up their confidence because you have been beat down so much. You have low self-esteem, low confidence. You're still in fear because this person has controlled your life for so long. So I help them rebuild their self-esteem. I tell them to prioritize their self-care because you've neglected yourself for years as well, which leads to physical ailments, which I also experienced. So I tell them the same thing. And you need to seek out a trauma therapist because you've been through a traumatic event throughout your relationship. And trauma therapists are the best people to help you with that situation. As much as talk therapists think that they can help you, a lot of them are not trained in trauma. Mm. So those are the different avenues that I take with my clients. And it's based on my own experience and based on the training that I received from a woman who actually went through narcissistic abuse herself. Yes. And I think documenting is such a key thing because then you're providing the evidence of all of the incidences of the abuse. So then yes. you're providing the legal evidence uh, you know, the legal evidence, so to speak. And all That's of correct. that would start providing a case for these women that you work with. Yes. And it starts telling the story. A lot of times narcissists will throw a lot of things at the wall just to see if they'll stick. How we combat them is we come up with a strategy and we come armed with facts. So if the person has text messages, they have emails, if they have recordings, that's all evidence in your favor to help you fight your legal battle. Mm. Narcissists want to talk to you verbally because that way they feel that no one will know what they're saying to you and how they're treating you. So you always want to direct them to something that is written so that everything is documented. And you never respond in emotion because a lot of times we'll get emotional. I, I, myself, I did everything wrong in the beginning in my case, I was emotional and I felt like no one understood what I was going through, not even my lawyer. So every time my ex would email me and he would attack me, I'm defending myself right back because I'm so emotional about it. That's the worst thing to do. So I always tell my clients, you don't have to respond as soon as you get the email. Take a day or two if you have to so that you can be non-emotional when you respond. Respond with facts. Don't attack him. Don't defend yourself. Just reply to whatever the question is. Keep it brief and then be done. End it with mm. thank you and be done. Yes. And actually you can use that, you know, advice in any situation, because when we are in a very heightened state emotionally yes. and we have been triggered and the best thing is not to react and respond immediately because we're coming from that emotional, you know, base. That and emotional it, space. Yeah, yes. and it's really difficult. So I think that's really helpful for people to know that just taking a bit of time away or before responding and reacting. And I think that's really useful for yes. women so they can go, okay, just being clear because they want, they almost, um, they want to create a web of well, what else I want them to respond. I want them to retaliate. 
that, yes. that's what they're wanting, isn't it? That's they're wanting they you want to retaliate. You. So then they've yes. got the ammunition of, well, she did this, even that's though right. they have been continually baiting that person. Continuously baiting you. Yes. Trying to trigger you. You're exactly right. Mm. Yes. So I tell my clients, do not take the bait. I don't care what he says about you. Do not take that bait. You just tell them, I understand that you're trying to put me in a bad light. However, blah, 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 blah about the children. Do not take the bait. Mm. Stay factual, stay non-emotional, keep it brief, say thank you, be done. Mm. And that's what they want. They're wanting that reaction. And yes, um, I think it's, uh, I think her name's Melanie. Um, she's a narcissistic um, uh, specialist and she yes. talks about in terms of healing, before you go into any of those interactions, the first thing you need to do is heal yourself. Correct. How you feel. Yes. So that that would be, you know, and when you were talking, Alana, about it's not just sort of the practical support, but actually that building of confidence. So yes. how, what are some of the th- strategies that you do to build these women have who have basically just been trodden on and have really lost their spark and their passion for life? How do you, you know, what are some of the ways that you build them up so they can start seeing their own uh, their own self-worth yeah yes. they start saying yes. going, oh my god I am amazing I, I can do this yes so one of the first things I ask them is what do you like to do what brings you joy what makes you feel good mm. and I throw things out there like do you enjoy lo- yoga do you enjoy pilates do you like to hike do you like to walk and you know that starts to spark well you know I do like to walk or I like to read books or something like that I say, dedicate at least one time a week that you do that. Mm. I said, you know, if you like meditation, if you've never meditated before, please try it because that's something that helped me tremendously. And I fought doing it forever. But when I actually did it, I felt better. And I'm like, wow, this actually works. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, what what, what is this? (laughs) Yes. (laughs) It's like, wow. affirmations. That's another thing that helped me, you know, say things like I am intelligent. I have high self-esteem. I can do anything. Say those things every day in the mirror to help build your self-esteem. I tell them to therapeutic journal if they can, because that was something else that helped me. Anything that makes them feel good. That's what I tell them to do. I say, you Mm. have to prioritize yourself. Self-care is so important because you've neglected yourself for so long. You don't even know how to do self-care anymore. So I try to bring that back into their lives. The other thing is trauma lives in the body. You have to start to release that trauma from your body. And that is through movement. That's why yoga and Pilates, Tai Chi, all of those things are very good to do after you come out of the relationship. Mm, yes, absolutely. And I think there's more research to show the importance of uh, trauma and somatic therapy and all of those things. You were talking like talk therapy is important as well. And just understanding there's so many different modalities to help people who may at that particular point may not be ready to talk yes doing you know 
yoga is such, I mean, I love yoga. That's part of my mm-hmm. um, daily practice. I actually didn't do that today um, because my son's a bit sick, but I think the the difference between going and doing a different workout compared to something like yoga is it is looking at the body, mind and soul connections. Correct. And it's not just about that physical asanas. It's about really connecting to self. So I think a lot of people think we we need a lot of time, but it's just committing um, those small habits that we can start yes. doing every day of the person yes. you want to be. Five minutes, even if it's two minutes, then yes. you keep doing that each day for two minutes. You're going to feel a lot better in one week, in one month, if just by doing two minutes of something different that is going to make you feel better. That's exactly right. I completely agree. I mean, I only did meditation 10 minutes a day and it made a world of difference for me. Yeah. But like I said, I fought it. And a lot of women do, they fight doing those type of things because they don't think that they'll work. Mm. So it's just reiterating, you know, maybe meditation's not your thing. We need to find something that is your thing though, because you have to do something that relaxes your mind and relaxes your body so that we can start to calm it down. Yes, absolutely. And people think that they've got to sit down and sort of cross, you know, have their legs crossed and do some sort of bendy things when they're meditating, you know. But meditation can be when you're going for a walk and noticing, you know, what what can you notice? And that can be really helpful. So it's such important thing. So, yeah, thank you for explaining all of that. And when you were talking about doing more of, you know, the things you love and things that spark joy, it's sort of like Marie Kondo about, you know, does this, does this spark joy? So looking at all of the things that you've always wanted to do, but maybe because you've been in a relationship that has really stopped that voice coming out, you you feel like you haven't been able to, and someone asking, well, what do you like? What do you love? What gives you purpose and passion and when you start asking all of those questions, then it taps into a part of those women going, ah, oh, there, there it is. You know, you, you would be yes. tapping into this, this light that had been dormant for so long and it's yes. slowly, it would, you would be slowly building up this spark within themselves. So they start feeling empowered and more confident. Alive. Alive. Yes. Actually, that they're not just um getting through life they're you know they're thriving and they're you know they're enjoying life enjoying it absolutely yes Yes. so for those who you know I'd like to hear a bit more about your book and for those who are who might be um they may have left a relationship and they're still on that healing journey could you tell the listeners where they might be able to um find your book? Yes. My book is available on Amazon. It's available for download to a Kindle as well as paperback. And you can also find me on all of my social media and my website, surthrivetribe.com. I took the word survivor and I took the word thrive and combined them together because I feel that you go from victim to survivor to sir thriver. You start to thrive in life again. That's what I did. And that's what I'm teaching other women to do. Yes, absolutely. And 
what I'll also do is I'll have all of the information on the show notes so people can actually click on that um, link that I leave and people can sort of, um, you know, start making some changes by reading your book. And what might people expect by reading the book? You know, what might they go, oh, that might, that's actually something that, you know, I need to do because it, it sounds like it's almost like a therapeutic um, support manual for people, um, you know, post-separation. Right. So I tell my story from the day that I met my ex-husband up until really settling my child custody case with him. And throughout the story, I point out all the red flags and the things that he says, and he does. And I put a little explanation around the different things that are occurring throughout the story. At the end of the book, I have a resource section. So I'll tell you steps to take if you're preparing to leave an abusive relationship. I also have some websites and some books that can help you along the way some signs of abuse for friends and family to look out for so that they can help their loved ones. So I just try to make it an all encompassing book, not just a story of my narcissistic relationship, but also offer some help and support to other people that might not know they're in an abusive relationship. I didn't know. (laughs) I actually thought my relationship was normal because I kind of started asking people little things and they would say, oh, all men act like that. And I'm like, they do. Well, maybe that's another of, well, maybe it's me. Maybe I'm the problem. Like he said, I'm the problem. So that's where a lot of the internalization came in for me as well. So yeah. So I want to point out to other people that may not know, Hey, these are the signs you may be in an abusive relationship. So it should be a good resource for those people, people that are going through post-separation abuse and they don't know what to do. And then friends and family to look Mm. out for the signs and to be that support system. Absolutely. And I think it's a good resource for anyone to actually have a good understanding about narcissistic abuse. And when we are more educated about, because sometimes we don't, we say, oh, those things don't happen. They do happen in society. So if we have a greater awareness and we are well-informed, even if it's not happening to you, you may have the information that you can start looking out for it and you can provide support um, or direct people, you know, if, if they need it and if they sort of reach out, you've got that. And I love how you've got some resources of signs and some other books that can be helpful for people so I think that's really valuable for people because sometimes we can feel quite overwhelmed and we don't know where to begin we don't know where to start and it doesn't matter where excuse me I doesn't it doesn't matter where people are within the world who are listening all of this is going to be helpful for you because it doesn't matter you know what culture you're from what um, ethnicity, what's socioeconomic, um, you know, it, all of these things are showing you that this can happen to anyone really, isn't it? Anyone, that's right. And it's non-discriminatory. And that's why creating this awareness, I'm, you know, and I'm, I'm very grateful that I have the platform to, you know, a lot of women who I help are big hearted, so they, they can be more susceptible to experiencing um, saying yes to things or to be in situations that aren't quite right because they don't 
they don't know how to get out of it. And yes. they may have also to do with um, a lack of self-worth as well. Yes. Um, they're the givers, the matriarchs. They, we, we've been very conditioned as women to just give, give, give. And yes. if we haven't got a good sense of self-worth, we can be at more, um, we may not, we may go, oh, this person's so attentive and they're, you know, they're doing all of these things and, you know, they want to move in with me and they've already said, I love you, you know. So yes. have you got, um, if, if someone's sort of in the very early stages and they're like, oh, this sounds just a very good book and they may not even have an awareness, do you have yes. some of the early signs that you could look back and go, oh, these were the signs the red flags, uh, the, the red flags yes. initially. Yes. 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 When I started writing my story. So the very, our very first meeting and dating was a huge red flag for one, everything that I liked from my movies to my music, to what I like to do. He liked, okay. He wanted to be an entrepreneur. That was a dream of mine. He was in the same major I was in. I don't know if he started out that way or not, but he said that he was. This is because he questioned me a lot in the beginning to find out all of those things. And then he mirrored them to become the soulmates that I said I was looking for. So he became everything that I wanted in a man. So I thought I had found my soulmate. But in reality, that man didn't exist because that wasn't the man that I married. Mm. So he was those are wearing the a mask, wasn't he? He was wearing a mask. So if they seem too perfect, that's a red flag. Relationships progress very quickly. So within three months, he moved in with me. Within a year, we were married. If you are moving in with someone within three months, you're moving fast. They usually want you want to tie you up very quickly. They want to be with you 24 seven. They love bomb you with the constant attention and gifts and texts and phone calls just all day long, red flag. <laughs> mm. And then when they start to say, you know, they start to degrade you very subtly and you point it out and they say, oh, I was just joking. Oh, you're too serious. You're taking that too serious. I didn't mean it that way. Your ears should perk up and pay attention because if that continues to happen, that is someone that is going to escalate that type of abuse later on in your relationship. Mm. Those are all the red flags I missed very early on. And I kept looking for that man that I dated, like my entire marriage. I was like, well, if I change myself, I do this, I do that and do everything he says, I'm going to get that man back that I dated. I never got that man back because that man did not exist. Yes. And that's so good for people to know that they never exist. They, yes. they, they have this false sense of self, yep. a heightened sense of self. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure in the book, you've got some of those behaviors as well. So people can start um, being more educated and more informed, but not just for people who are in these relationships. I think people, everyone to make any change within the world, we need to be better informed. So we can yes. create awareness. It's the first the first stage in creating change is awareness. So we can start going, actually, this isn't normal and it's not okay. So then we can start creating more conversations, more dialogue, and we can start that 
change process. So yes, yeah. I also want people to understand one of the difficulties with re- leaving the relationship of uh, sorry, leaving the relationship as well is that you're trauma bonded to your abuser. And it's very similar to Stockholm syndrome. So you're actually in some way like addicted to that person because you get the abuse becomes normalized. You get used to it. So it, that also makes it hard for you to come out of it. Mm, yes. And I think when you you think that's the uh, the way because you've lived it for so long, you don't yes. know there's another possible way. Yeah. That's right. Mm. All right. So I just want to say thank you again for coming on the podcast. It's been absolutely phenomenal talking to you today. And I am looking forward to reading your book and learning more about this absolutely insidious psychological abuse. It's um, something that pains me that things like this happen to women and to other, you know, it happens to, it can happen to men as well, but women are obviously more um, at higher rates. But again, Alana, thank you again for coming on the podcast. Um, And what we'll do is we'll have all of your details and where to buy your book in the show notes. And do you want to just tell people where to find you on maybe Instagram or where do you hang out mostly Instagram or Facebook? I hang out mostly on Instagram and you can find me at my personal page at Alana Sharps or my business page at Sir Thrive Tribe. Beautiful. And I put lots of good information out there about narcissism and post-separation abuse. I'm continuing to educate on my social media as well as within my book. Yes. Yes. Alana has absolutely amazing content. So you'll be well-informed to start creating change and start providing those steps to leave that abusive relationship. So thank you again, Alana. Thank you for having me. Thank you so much for tuning into another episode of Prioritizing Yourself. Please subscribe to my podcast so you can hear the latest episodes. And if you would like to learn more about me, visit my website, www.realvisionlifecoaching.com.au. Bye for now.